You might not know who this guy is, but I guarantee you've seen his work. Let's go talk to Deli Carr, ace triathlon photographer. He's a, look, he's a guy who, you, if you don't know who he is, this bloke, you've <laughs> seen, you would have seen him floating around. He wears all black. He is a, a man who's triathletes know him, cricketers know him, swimmers know him. He is one of the this country's finest uh, artists and photographers, Delhi Carr. Whenever I cross paths, buddy, it is always amazing. It's always amazing to see you. We have very similar sense of humour, so um, it's never never work when we catch up. I guess is it? Not really. It's always fun, though. I can you and I have probably done a fair few Ks together over the years, and and I can be standing next to you with my mediocre skills and what you produce and what I produce at the back of the camera is something far, far different. I mean, what was the first thing that drew you to capturing that one one hundredth of a second? Um, it was there from when I was a kid, buddy. And, and I'm going back to the Neanderthal days or the prehistoric days when we used to send our films away and get pictures come back from the lab or from the chemist, wherever it was. Um, to to realise that you you were clicking a camera, then a few days later you had a physical photograph. Um, that was just quite was magical to me. Was that nerve wracking? Was that kind of like you know? When not you... not as a kid, no. But it was just magical. Um, and then then when you start to develop your own stuff in your own little dark room, and again talking ancient history, and you'd you'd watch the actual image come up on that piece of paper in the chemical. Um, you know, I was in Wonderland at the time. So photography had me, you know, hooked from the very beginning uh, from a young guy. And, and mum and dad did give me a camera when I was seven. I still have that camera. Um, but but that's, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's a long, 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 long time ago. Are you are you still, like, do you, clearly, I mean, the, the artist in you is is pronounced. I mean, any... Like any idiot like me can sit in the back of a motorbike, point a camera and take something that is kind of like the meat and potatoes version mm. of what happened. What when you first saw saw digital, what was you like when you first what was the first thing you thought when you first saw digital showing its face in your industry? Because it obviously monstrous game changer. Yeah, it was. It was a definite monstrous uh, change. Um and I resisted it for a long time. I resisted it for three or four years because I knew film so well. Um, I knew how each type of film brand behaved and, and so forth and what was the right film for the right thing. So that was my skill and that's, you know, I cut my teeth on that and I was well known for just getting some great results. Digital digital did change it and, and I had to adapt because I would have lost clients. They They needed pictures immediately which that's the whole bonus of digital. The early cameras, you know, and, and all the camera manufacturers will will justify what I say or they will back me up that they were shit. Um, oh, am I allowed to say that? They were terrible. They were terrible. And um, during this time that I've been home for the last couple of months that um, I've been looking back at some of my early work and I'm amazed how I got away with some of the work that I produced in the early years of digital because the cameras were nowhere near as advanced as the film ones were at the time. 
I can remember us having this conversation some years ago as well, and this is when digital is well established. But you were sort of we were sort of talking about the influence of that, you know, the um, the the kid who can you know go down to say a surf shoot that's been set up with Kelly Slater, for example, stand behind the pro, shoot off enough that would just get by mm. and get published. I mean, that must have had a, had a huge impact in your industry. Well, it it does. It sorry, it does and it did, um, but. I was firmly entrenched within, you know, within photography and with my clients and that, that it didn't affect me so much. Um, it has gradually eroded at my, my, my world slowly but surely, but the instant, instant, no, it didn't affect me at all. Um, a creative person as well as, you know, getting the image or creating a bunch of flowers or, or doing lighting on a stage, they also have to be a good person. They also have to be a good businessman. They've got to work for their clients' needs. They've got to do it the right way. So, you know, yes, you'll get a snapper that might stand behind me and get a picture that's almost identical to what I've got. But whether they've got the business skills and so forth to continue working as full-time, that's a different matter. And it really is, you know, it's, it's, a, it is like, it's a long ride at the top. Uh, to where you are. I mean, you've been oh, yes. forever. <laughs> yes. For every 20 people who've come in and had a crack, you're still standing. I'm just using all the song lyrics I can think of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where, um, we need the soundtrack. Where is it? Anyway. I know, we, need, we need a few beers into us for uh, some oh, karaoke. Oh, why didn't we think of that, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Please say that you're, you're, people don't realise how diverse you are, though. I mean, yeah. Obviously, because I know you a little bit personally as well, I've seen this, but, you know, like you you shoot cricket, which for our American, North American friends um, is that funny game that kind of looks like baseball where they stand around <laughs> in white pants and call it a draw. But you shoot cricket and also you're embedded with the um, Aussie swim team, which everyone around the world in sport knows yes. what a powerhouse they are. What's that like? Um it's interesting. Now, we'll go back a step here. Triathlon is what I'm, I'm best known for, I guess. Um, yeah. It's 30 years of shooting it. Uh, the days that I photographed it, it was, it was a recreational sport. But anyway, in saying that I cut my teeth on triathlon, um, I'm part of its history. I'm a, probably a chapter within the book. But And then, yeah, I, from then on, tried really hard not to be pigeonholed as a triathlon photographer because, you know, I did want to do other sports. I'm a sports photographer, not a triathlon photographer. Yeah, and so, what was it like, yeah. was it like just before we get on to the, the swimming, et cetera, yeah. sorry, I'm going to try yeah. this you. The, the early you've, you've always been pushy, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> the early, I mean, I could sit here and talk to you for hours, but I'm, I'm watching clocks. Oh, um, MasterChef's on in half an hour. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so tell me, so um, the, the early days of Try though, like who were the guys that you were following? I mean, Ooh. are we the Nick Croft, Greg Welsh era, or are we pre that even? Uh, I was a, a year or two before that. Um, so I was at the tail end of the Tinleys and the Mark Allens and so forth in that no, longer okay. distance. And in theory, they were the names because the federation is, or the ITU as such really hadn't formed. And Iron Man was really the only known well, popular or consumer popular or mum and dads wouldn't have known anything else other than Iron Man. So it was yeah. the Tinleys and the, 
the Allens and and so forth. And I was at the end of all that, the Day Scots. Now, then the, my early years were Australia just dominated and some all my early day heroes were the Australians. Um, it didn't seem like there were anyone else on the planet that could match them. There were, don't get me wrong. You know, you had your mite pigs early on and, and the lessings would come into it and there were others of the very early years. But it was all Australia. There, there was no need for me to go overseas at the time. And there was plenty, I mean, you're right, we were the epicentre along with that sort of early US guys, as you said, the mite pigs of the world, the Hal Robinsons, the Jimmy Ricatellos, those yes. crew who were, you know, and again, people might not know who they are, do some homework, kids, and take a look. Um, these guys, I mean, Mike Pig, for example, that one year that he had where yes. he, on the FTS circuit, he couldn't be beaten. Aaron yeah. Baker, Paul Newby Fraser. Yeah. You know, know. That, that had. You would have seen that firsthand, though. On the yeah, I did. Mark. I didn't know them well, but I did see them. And, and um, it's funny, again, I've been looking at all my images all my history uh, in this past few months while I've been in isolation, I don't have a huge amount of images of them. So I was really at the tail end of all of that. Um, but what was, when, when, you, when you saw what was happening, did you immediately think that this sport has something? No, I just thought it – well, I thought it had a future in Australia and I thought it's an Australian sport. It felt that way to me. That, and that's, so that's not true. You sort of sort of rode that Iron Man wave. You would have again seen such a change in, I guess, attitude and way people operate in the way that business operated here in Australia and overseas. Yes, of course. Of course. Yes. Times. Um, okay, let's do the obvious one. What's the favourite race that you'd like to go back to each year? And then tell us about your Kona time. Yeah, look, Kona is special. Um, the, the reason being there's, there is so much history. Um, there is so much blood, sweat and tears. There, it's a photographic, it's a photographer's dream. Um, there's a lot more to it. This, this It is sport in its essence. Um, it is a challenge. Um, the island is magical in, in its way. And then even, that, even the town um, itself, despite the numbers of people there, it becomes an epicenter of triathlon. It becomes the center of the universe for triathlon at that particular week. Whether you love the consumerism and whether you love everything else that goes with it, you know, I particularly don't. Um, and in, and as each year that I've gone and I did 20, 25 years in a row, um, each year things just started to get on my nerves in terms of the outside. But race day was the great day. Um, Kona is the race that, yes, it is the one race you'd love to go back to year after year. And you, of course, did you ever? Now, when I was when I was a Kona reporter, a rookie, um, <laughs> the very first year I went there, I reckon I know two thousand something early. Um, I remember getting st- stuck on the media truck, uh, which, yes. if you've never seen this before in Kona, this is no shit. It is a flatbed truck driven by an <laughs> islander who does not want to be there. Yes, and thinks that. 80 is 40. Um, <laughs> a bunch of people hanging on the back of these walls of the truck just trying not to die as this bloke's like, come on, man, we've got to get to the next spot. And he's flying down the Queen K Highway at warp speed and you're hanging on swearing. There's a bunch of sweaty Germans next to you swearing. It's all a lot of cursing. 
Now, did you avoid that early doors and get straight onto the moto, which is like just, you know, dreamboat highway? Uh, I'm very lucky I did only one year. That was year one that I'd gone to. And uh, I vowed I'd never do that again. We were standing in cow poo. With, I think there was a cattle truck at the time. So, <laughs> I reckon you have to do it, though, don't you? you kind of have to, it's like your badge of honour because I yeah, you do yeah. enough in a moto, which is a people people the media and again i have no interest in getting this these days so i can talk to it they they really get narky when they miss one yeah moto and the couple of years that i got them yeah oh man it's a whole different experience isn't it yeah it is look and, and again going back to prehistoric times there weren't too many of us shooting it and um i was blessed that yeah that they gave out a few motorbikes and i the year two and from year two to year 25 you know, I was on a motorbike, and even the last year where they were really, really cutting back on, well, they say they're cutting back on the traffic on the island and not handing out any motorbikes, I got the only one that year. So, and that that was their their little pay of respect for what I the the, the amount of sweat that I put into that particular race. Well, and and well justified as well. I mean, Thank obviously. You. It's you know you put in twenty five straight years, damn straight, and plus your work too is stunning. I mean, if you've never done a jump onto Dally's Insta page or something like, and just get on it and take a look and follow him because it really is. You get a masterclass in in photography by taking a look at it. Because I am constantly, like I said, standing next to you, and mine's crap, and you just come up with. New <laughs> well, but, going going to a race like that so many times, and and you know after a few attempts, everything starts to look the same, and. So, you know, I would get in there a few days early and try and work out a different place or a different angle or a different way of looking at things, you know, and I was the first to go up in the helicopter and shoot the, the wonderful massive swim start, which, you know, they allowed me to do or, or I went underwater. And, I've, again, I was the first to do that as well. Mm. Um, so I, I did things because I was bored of sitting on the pier year after year and shooting the swim start. I'll do it from a helicopter, and I paid for that, and I did that. and. None of the triathlon magazines around the world had ever seen it from there. Neither had Ironman. So, you know, I I wanted to do something creative every year, and, and that was one of my objectives: make sure I didn't miss the finish for one, but um, make sure that I did something different from every other year that I'd been to it. It's fair, like, and I've worked this as well, and I can probably talk to this a little bit as well. But like the pressure on race day anywhere around the world. Mm. Um, is always there, isn't it? Because if you're, especially with an Ironman, if you're, I mean, 70.3 is a joke when you cover it because it's four hours and you're kind of like, well, that's it. Yep. When you're an Ironman, it's obviously eight minimum. And then if you hang out for the age group stuff, which is obviously important, but how much pressure do you put on yourself race day to get back to the finish, to get to that spot that you know and to make sure that you're, you know, dialing in all the things that you do? Yeah. When the first runner gets out onto the course for the marathon run and the marathon run is two and a half three three and a half hours whatever it is you're from that very first minute you're you're watching your clock you're watching the clock each minute and you're saying how far away am i from town and how long will it take me to get back in and when will the first guy get in and there is a lot of stress and, and you're worried your bike might break down or the motorbike or whatever it happens to be it's it's two and a half, three hours of absolute mind torture. Um, the whole day is because there are stories within the stories and sub-stories again. You know, there's all, there's all these different things you need to cover. 
in my early years, I would cover all the news bits if someone was about to pass somebody or someone was injured or someone was doing the crawl. You had to be at that spot. But it's now, like I remember too, seeing you with numbers drawn on your back of your media pass that people you had to try and follow when you were Oh, working. that too, yeah. How hard that? God. Well, t- I really did put, I was younger, I guess I had the energy to do it, but <laughs> I had, there were magazines around the world and they all wanted my work. And, and that's, a, that's a compliment. But, you know, I was shooting a Japanese competitor, I was shooting a German competitor, I was trying to find this person, I was trying to find the person that, that had recovered from cancer. I, there were so many things that I was looking for. Nine times out of ten, I did get it. But that meant a lot of energy. And when I did get back to my hotel room, I was spent. Um, but, yeah, I was the only photographer that treated the sport seriously early on. And and there were magazines around the world. Every country had one to two magazines. So I was their servant. Well, not their servant. I was helping them pull out the story. And that's in itself, isn't it? That's the skill in itself, isn't it? It's the time management and it's also, you know, yeah. being at the right place at the right time and, you know, knowing the courses as well because, you know, what shoots best and yes. what, you know, now it's all video and it's drones and it's all that, all that as well. Yeah. But there's still a need. You can, what you can capture in that one one hundredth of a second, you're not getting on a, beautiful panoramic drone shot for example you might not be getting just that exact moment which is the true art i would have thought very that's exactly right and at early on it the art was me getting the news pictures as i said that second place athlete was about to pass first and so forth. that was the news shot when that did happen there was there were 20 or 30 you know 20 people around us in nbc etc that it was a mess my work evolved and then people would wanted my work because of its creativity. So that's where the skill, my skill had to change from chasing news to actually creating an image that said Iron Man or it said something about that day. Well, that's what I remember with you as well. Um, you know, I'd be off shooting something at a race that you were at and I'd come back and, again, meat and potatoes, it was okay for what we needed on first off the bike. It was that quick churn and burn. We weren't that interested in, you know, the art of it. We just wanted to capture what was happening. And then you'd come back and you'd go, where the hell did you shoot that? And, what? <laughs> like, you'd be under a cow, you'd be hanging out of a tree. You'd, you'd go past on the road and you'd see this uh, By the way, the, under the cow, that's a rumour. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd see him, like, on the side of the road. You'd be like, yes. what the fuck is he doing? Well, that I mean... Yes, you were doing what you said, but that's what your readership wanted and that's what your aim was. So you, in theory, are 100% successful at what you were doing. I was asked to do something different. I was, asked, I was told when I originally was employed by the ITU that I'm a storyteller and I'm not to shoot triathlon like everyone else does. I'm to look at it in my own eyes as a storyteller. So that's why I'm not under cows but I'm near cows or I'm in a tree or I'm hiding behind rocks to, to get an image that that tells a story that tells what that race is about to tell us about the location to tell us how beautiful the sport is um, you know I don't I don't take photographs to make triathlon look bad I try to make it look as pretty as it is and it is a pretty sport it certainly is. Um, I can also remember a photo I've got on my phone of you at the back of a uh, press conference at Ironman Melbourne 
in the very first year after a big night out with Greg Welsh. So, you yeah. know, we set up an exchange. <laughs> I, I was lucky because as I was, I was the, I was the same age as most of these athletes at the time. Um, so yeah, I could go out for a drink with them. There weren't, there were also times where the sport didn't take itself so seriously. So going out the night before a race and coming back from the nightclub and getting dressed and going to race was a common thing. It's different now. It, it's all about formulas and drinks and rest and exercise and coaching and stuff. But yeah, so, but I was their age once. You, but you won't see me out there with the athletes anymore. I'm a little older for that. <laughs> well, I can. I know we. Um, yeah, we certainly had uh, a couple of funny nights uh, out and about. Of course, um, a well-known night of <laughs> Port Macquarie. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. came up at the very start of the morning said, have you slept? I haven't slept. You slept? You slept? I haven't slept. And it was the MSG and the food, I think. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a good night. Yeah, I don't know what the Chinese restaurant fed us, but it wasn't good. It wasn't a bit of alcohol involved. It was all that. <laughs> hey, uh, anyway, I want, I I've got this pin in my head about the Aussie swim team because I'm really interested in that. Yeah. But before we get to that, you're at work in the Olympics too. Yeah. Obviously, really big and when triathlon hits the olympic stage in 2000 you're front and square obviously you're established mm. this is what you know and do and how how exciting was that to be and get involved and of course your work in the itu is as polished if not more than i man i think you know mm. you are a front and square for that what must that have been like um i think anyone involved in the sport at that time uh, would probably say it's the be the biggest bestest day you know, in the sports history, to to be on the Olympic stage um, was insane. That now the the world was about to see what an exciting sport it is. ITU racing, um, totally different beast to to the Ironman world, and it it is all about you know greyhounds racing around that course as quick as they can and trying to beat each other. But it was, you know, we we have to give credit to. Our dearly departed Les McDonald, who was pig-headed enough to continually uh, hassle the IOC to get us in the Olympic program. And it will always be there. And it will always be seen as an event that they can run, which will show off the city. So, you know, wherever it happens to be, they can run the bikes past the Eiffel Tower or, or past Buckingham Palace or past the Opera House. What a wonderful way to showcase the city that, that the the games are being held at. It was probably still my biggest, most nervous day that I've ever had in the in the sport. And uh, each Olympics is special, but that one was like that was the first day. And I remember at the end of it, I, I went and sat on the gold podium and went, "Wow, how cool is this?" And I'm at the base of the Opera House on the gold, you know, the gold podium that either Simon you know, had, had been standing on only minutes earlier. Yeah. And yeah, going, wow, well, look where the sport is. And now it's kind of, I guess, you've, you cover all the Olympics too, don't you? you go the yes, yeah. I, I've now, uh, well, Tokyo was meant to be my 10th one. So um, if and when that one comes up again, it'll be my 10th Olympics. Olympics is a part of my blood. I, I You know, uh, Sydney was my first, but I, I have done winter and summer one since um you know i live for the olympics it's uh, you know my 
it is my Olympics when it comes to photography as well. Um, I have to be on the, my game. I have to be healthy. I have to be on the ball every minute because athletes are doing what they're meant to be doing. Um, they're at their peak, so I have to be at my peak as well. Um, how tough was, um, how interesting was Rio? Like, oh, Rio, Rio, Rio was shit. What? <laughs> Let's change the subject. <laughs> I don't know why they put an Olympic set that was just stress, 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 and small stress, but. All right. I feel so, we also went into, was it, was it the Russian, um, where was the Winter Olympics? Uh, that was um, Sochi, that, yeah. the Russian one. What was that? Well, I'd never been to Russia. I found it fascinating. Um, are they the most lively, happy people on the planet? Probably not, and their food is quite dull, but it, it is, it is a, it's part of this world and that's who they are and that's great. That's wonderful. It's I enjoyed it. And would I go back to Russia in a hurry? Probably not, but um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. it you know, uh, and that's a Winter Olympics that it has a different dynamic to it as well. Mm. It, and, and the step up, say, because triathlon still obviously, I mean, as much as we want to professionalise it, it still has its limitations. Of and course. it's not PGA or ATP or NBA or anything like that. But what's it like then going from, say, Ironman or, or, you know, a triathlon then, and then going to the Olympics and the amount of, like, check-ins and security and, and what yeah. the process there must be completely different and the press conferences must be out of this, out of this yeah. world too. I, I, you know, going back, like we said, that I've, I've been shooting other sports and, you know, trying not to pigeon myself as triathlon. So I've been to World Championships. I've been to Football World Cups, of uh, Rugby World Cups. Um, it. That's how the general media is, and for the big ones, um, you notice a big difference from our governing or the triathlon governing body to to the FIFAs and and whatever. That there is a difference, but me being the sports photographer, this is all in my blood. I go through security checks. I, you know, I've got to do all the other things. I've got to wear this stupid media vest and so forth, and sit in the right spots and follow all the rules. But that's just part of it. Um, when when that first ball gets kicked or when whatever the game starts, then, then I'm on my ball and I'm in heaven. I'm having a great time. That's what I'm here to be. That's what I'm here to do. Uh, all that and rest of it's a pain in the ass, but it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the worst thing in the world. No, and, and obviously the Aussie swim team's this world-renowned yeah. machine. Uh, incredibly popular here in Australia. They're known throughout the US. Obviously, triathletes would know that they are, uh, you know, they are not exactly the slowest group of individuals. Yes. What's it like working with those? You know, yeah, that's, that's a different beast, and and it's quite funny when they approached me 15 years ago. Um, the the lady who had asked to see me had said, "I've noticed your work in triathlon." So. Um, for the last few years. So she, in some way, maybe she did a triathlon, bought a few magazines and, and my name popped up. Um, it's, it's, it is one of the big um, sporting bodies in this country, one of my highest profile. You see when they do something wrong that the media jump on them and when they do something right, the media jump on board as well. They are the, one of the more professional bodies that I've worked for. Um, they roll out the red carpet when I turn up. They roll out the red carpet for others. They, they're athletes. Um, they're there to swim. They're, they're there to be the fastest on the planet. And from from the bottom to the top, everyone is so professional. 
and so dedicated to these swimmers. These swimmers are only kids. Let's, they start at 14, 15, and, you know, if they're lucky, they'll get to 25, 26, 27, mm. you know. And it is, it is a prestigious thing that I'm their photographer and I'm part of the swimming fraternity now. Um, every photographer in this country is jealous of, of my stature within that sport. I am too. I've, I've long been fascinated. But as you said, with those guys and girls, um, the pressure must be enormous, as you said. Like, yeah, these guys are at the nosebleed, pointy end, you know, all eyes on an Australian-US sort of set up. Yes. Swimming. How do they handle it? Like, are, there's a, is there, they internalise a lot of it? And do you get to see that internalisation of, of what's going on? Yeah, I, it, I do get to see it. it that we, we have to, again, remember that they're, they're young teenagers. Um, to older teenagers, and not many can handle that sort of pressure. They have a wonderful, um, how can I say, structure around them to protect them, to look after them, and so forth. Um, you know, I've I've seen things that you know I I will never I can't repeat or talk about, but it is about protecting these kids and to keep them happy and to keep them swimming. You know, it's about gold medals. It it is a bit of a machine in that, but mm. but these these children from a young age want to be an Australian dolphin, as they're called. It is such a big deal for them, and and I get it. I really do. They they are representing our country at our highest profile Olympic sport. Yeah, it, all eyes on them. And, and, and oh yeah. Or the year, one before was it when Mac Horton was taking his stand against the Chinese yeah. um, Sun Yang, and you got caught up in that as well, didn't you? Because you had given Mac Horton uh, a camera, sort of as a demo, as a as a promo, and didn't you get caught up in the in the? No, the, the way it worked was um, I gave him a photo of his. Uh, he'd beaten Sun Yang. That was the Olympics. He'd beaten him in wherever the last one in Rio. Um, so Sun Yang, oh, sorry, Sun Yang, Mac Horton asked a photo of me to put on his Instagram of his victory, in which then the Chinese went after him because he had accused Sun Yang of being a drug chief. Yeah. And he got some seriously big hate mail in, in the tens to thousands of images, tens to I got caught up with it because he had my photo credit there, so they came after my Instagram and my Facebook and they tried to bring that down and destroy it with horrid comments and I cannot repeat what it was. But at the when I woke up that morning in Rio and saw the hate mail that I'd gotten, I didn't understand it and it did my head in. Yeah. Um, then after a few Googles and that, I realised what had happened and it had, it did shake me for a day. You know, some of the stuff that they wrote was insane. So I don't know how Paul McHorton did it, but he handled it as well. I had to shut down all my social media, but I still get the odd one now that, you know, I'm Sun Yang's brother and all these other nasty things that they say. Not Sun Yang's, McHorton's. Horror. Well, who's proven right then, I guess, you know, in the, in the wash, you know, it probably came out that it was, uh, you know, a win for, for Matt Horton. Um, yes, it has in the end, yes. But it's one of those chapters that if, if I ever write a memoir book, you know, a deli book, that that'll be one of the chapters. And I look at it with a bit of a laugh now, but th that morning I woke up, it was horrid. Yeah, 
I can't imagine. I mean, it must have been just, oh, my God, what, what next? Mm. Uh, a lot of people, too, won't realise that you obviously shoot things outside of sport because, you know, you do and you can. The one I love is the the Star Wars. <laughs> that that I mean, oh, my God. It made it big here in Australia, too. I remember you being on the project and it was just before mm. in May. Um, and people bomb down to see it, and, and you tell us a little bit about that, and what inspires you to do something like that. Well, that was not long after the Athens Olympics in two thousand and four, and I'd had enough of sport. I was burnt. I was how long had I been shooting? About fifteen years, and I said, "I'm done." Anyway, so I almost walked away, but thankfully I didn't. But in saying that, I went. I won tickets to the premiere of a Star Wars movie that had come out at the time. I don't remember which one it is now, but we, if we did our Googling, we'd know. But in 2004, I won tickets to the premiere, the midnight premiere, and I turned up and all these people were dressed as Darth Vader's and Stormtroopers. And when the theme song came up at the beginning of the movie, everyone cheered and waved their lightsabers. And I went, wow, what a cool underground little thing there is. So... I loved Star Wars as a child. It, it was magical to me when I saw it at the movies. I went and saw it another dozen times, I think, and decided, well, am I really done with sport photography or am I done with photography? And I started this project, and it was to photograph all the Star Wars people, the people who used to like to dress up as Star Wars characters. It was an underground thing at the time. We didn't have, you know, the Big Bang Theory on TV, so that sort of <laughs> stuff was quite geeky. Yeah. Um, and people would never give me their names because they were marketing managers or they were this or they were a lawyer, but on the weekends I like to dress up as a stormtrooper. <laughs> so they let me into their world and I got deeper and deeper, and from, from that um, I then it progressed to other forms of pop culture. There were Batmans and, and the list goes on. So... Ten years later, I said, I'm done, I've finished, I've gone to conventions, I've photographed people who dress up, I've done this, I've done that. And I ended up with such a body of work which got so much acclaim in this country. And it was my Snap, Crackle, Pop Culture exhibition that toured the country and, and all the radio and press that I had to do afterwards. I then realised, well, I realised early on that, I still love photography. I enjoyed every minute of that project. It wasn't sport. That, you know, it, you know, I wasn't burnt out with photography. It was just I had enough of sport at that time. But I'm still there. I've done a few other projects, and I still do projects for when I have a spare weekend to continue. That's, I mean, again, that's amazing. And the big photo of you shooting on the salt pans too, the drag star and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I left the London Olympics to go and do that because that was one of my bucket lists. And, you know, I've I've gone and done other work that, you know, the bull run in Pamplona and sumo wrestling, they're bucket list items that I want to photograph. And I, Yeah, just those monkeys of all, the, the little the snow monkeys in Japan were always something that I loved as a child. And so, okay. I, you know, when I get to time and I'm near that area, or, you know, I've gone to Japan for a, triathlon well why not travel that little bit more and go see the sea monkey you know the space monkeys and um you know not while well, again here being in isolation now for three months i've been writing down on my bucket list and where they will be and i know where now where the next world fencing champs will be or where the next world sumo champs will be 
and hopefully I'm near that area when when I have a triathlon or any other event that I'll go. Hmm. And the the um the obviously the Olympics cancelled or postponed, I should say. Yeah. Um, that through and and with ISO and that that threw a dent in in all everyone's obviously everyone's travel plans. And uh, how confident do you think though of the Olympics returning and and you know two Kona's next year and certainly turning the world upside down and and giving everybody pause, I think, as you said, like you've been going back through old photos. Um, I don't like anybody, so isolation's been okay for me. Um, <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> I've been yeah. praying for isolation. We got it, but I would have liked it in different circumstances. I'd shave my head with a pair of $20. <laughs> <laughs> I said, we might be the ugliest kids like getting around. <laughs> oh, you, you haven't seen my beard and hair, mate. I'm, I'm looking very Neanderthal myself. Um, so for you though, the go, I guess the future going forward is is to to get to the Olympics, and then you're saying you're making bucket list. So what's the what's the sort of I guess overall for you in terms of your shooting? I mean, do we still you pull dial back? Because obviously you had um, you know there was a, a couple of health issues in, in Canada and, and things like that. Where are you with all that? I, I'm good. I'm healthy and and all is well. My brain's working well, and and you know. People are saying my creative eyes is as good as it's ever got. But, you know, I will, cannot continue doing this forever. I tell you what, while I've been in isolation, I have not missed travelling, definitely not. I don't miss an airport. I don't miss an airline seat. I don't miss any airline meals. I miss none of that. So um, I won't be able to do it forever. I don't want to do it forever. Um, if, if every sporting event was held a couple of k's away from home, I'd be a really happy person. In saying that, am I am I close to finishing? I'm closer than I have been, but I still have time. I've realised again through isolation that retirement is not in me right now. Um, it would drive me nuts. Um, but I will do the bucket list. I will give all that I have to the sport of triathlon. It's been great to me and I will never walk away from it. I'll also give my all to the Australian swim team because, as I said, they roll out the red carpet for me each time I go. Um, but, yeah, let's, let me tick off a few items. I, would, I want to create my best work ever in this last stage of my working career, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll walk away. So let me get by with the next Olympics. I wouldn't mind doing the one after, which is Paris. Um, That'd be pretty sexy to do one there. Uh, the one after that's in LA, so I'm not a big fan of heading over um, over to the US while they have that man in charge. So, um, yeah, so definitely Paris Olympics and not long after that, I don't think. Hmm. Mate, I it's 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 time is, is rapidly uh, evaporating. I could sit. I know you need to go and watch Masters. <laughs> <laughs> it's elimination night, you dude. <laughs> hey, um, what, what I mean, amazing. It's always fun to chat to you. I mean, you are just you've seen a lot. You've you've contributed more than enough to this sport, of course, of course in triathlon. Um, you know, if you don't uh, know where Delhi is, uh, Photo Ninja is that we're still running with Photo Ninja, aren't we? Yeah, we're still Photo Ninja, and again, I have to give you credit for that. Um, the nickname you threw at me, um, which stuck, and it stuck so hard that they all call me that. Some people don't even know my name. They they know me as the Ninja. So um, you I have to thank for that. Oh, thankfully, I don't have to give you royalties for each time someone calls me that. 
Because you'd be a very rich man. <laughs> you'd be a very Mark rich man. <laughs> Go and check out Delhi at Photo Ninja. Also check out um, Sports Shoot as well, which is where he is also found, sportsphotography.com.au. Uh, legend of the of the uh, of the caper. Thanks very much for your time. Good luck for the rest of ISO. We hope to see you out in three dimensions really soon. Thanks, thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Thanks for thank you to everyone for listening as well.